Will you look at that? You gave me another opportunity to talk to you. Or if this is your first time, you're giving me an opportunity. Thank you. This is Lynn Muthoni here in Kenya because I'm Kenyan. Today, let me just give you a Kenyan greeting. Habariyako. To that you should say mzuri sana. That's good. So, Father God, in Jesus' name, we're here to listen and learn. So please teach and help us to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. It's so amazing that uh, this series, this Clearing Out the Rug series, hey, yo, well, hey, are you ready? Because, my gosh, it's been amazing for me. It's just the kind of series that you, you probably don't want to say too much of, but then you feel like if you don't say everything that needs to be said, then what justice are you giving to the people? So, hey, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. I am just obeying and the rest of it is up to you. Today, I want us to continue clearing out what's under the rug because apparently we've got a lot underneath that rug. So much, so much, so much. And, and, and none of us is to blame. And none of us is to blame. Let me first just start by saying this. None of us is to blame for for what's under the rug. Why? Because most of us are in denial. <laughs> That's the first reason why none of us are to blame. Because most of us, a good, good, good number of us are in denial because most people just don't think they go wrong. Now, also, there's a good number of people who just do not know these truths, who haven't been exposed to these truths. Most people get exposed to truths when we go through some trying moments, when we go through some moments that we'd otherwise have chosen not to go through. So here we are. Now, let's just get into this and look at number three. Quick recap. Last time we did number one and number two, and we talked about how we have probably parted ways with the people that we've dated before or just the people that we were with who we're not with right now who through the wisdom of God we realize oh my gosh this is not God's will now we talked about how we've parted ways with these people in a manner that wasn't exactly the way you should part ways with not just people you've dated or courted but really a human being you know because the essence here is to love one another it's the greatest commandment so now number two we talked about tafadali please we talked about steering clear of um the married people when you're single and i just want to overemphasize on that tough please please there's no defense ignorance is not a defense it it has never been it's not going to start today thank you now number three promises i just want you to take a second just think about it how many times in your past relationships or even in the present relationship have you made that you haven't kept how many times have you done that how many times have you said things that you even knew while you were saying them you had no intention of fulfilling that promise you just wanted somebody to hear that because it's much easier to say that 
I mean, I get it. I'm a human being. I'm, I have experience with lying. And the, the trick or the trap with lying is that it's always easier. It's easier to get those words out of your mouth. It's easier to see this person reacting in the way you expect them to react. It's easier to keep this person around and give them false expectations and false hopes. I mean, who wants to be hated? Not me. Uh -uh. And I know neither do you. So it's much easier. But are the consequences as easy? I don't know how you'd feel if someone were to take you on a ride for so long, only for you to later discover. How does that make you feel? And, you know, you thinking about that instance, you thinking about that instance when someone lied to you and you discover that they lied to you should now right now be a very humbling experience for you. Because if you hate being lied to, therefore the question now should be, then why do you lie? And that's a question that I've had to, to struggle with. If I hate dishonesty and I catch myself in dishonesty, why am I indulging in it? Let me just talk about this. In relationships, most of the time, in in order for this person to keep the person they're with, they make a lot of false promises. We make promises concerning our hearts. We make promises concerning our minds. We make promises concerning our character. We make promises concerning our finances. We even make promises concerning our future. We tune and correct sentences and edit sentences and make them sound exactly like how we want our audience to hear it. And this is what is being talked about in the book of Ecclesiastes in the book of Proverbs, even in the book of Leviticus, for example, Leviticus 5, 4, where people are making oaths in a rash manner or just thoughtlessly taking an oath. If you look at the biblical importance of the aspect of making promises, promises, if I can just read very quickly, in a general sense, what the word promise would mean, a promise is a declaration written or verbal made by one person to another, which binds the person who makes it with the person who is getting the promise, either in honor, conscience or law to do or forbear a certain act specified, a declaration which gives to the person to whom it is made a right. Listen, listen now. A declaration which gives to the person to whom it is made a right to expect or to claim the performance or forbearance of the act. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So if you make me a promise, it gives me the right to expect the performance of that act or to claim the performance of that act. You think that's ridiculous? Try promising a five-year-old something. Promise them that you're going to buy them a toy or you're going to buy them something that they just desire. Promise them and break that promise and see the crushing disappointment that goes in that child's face. And that is when you're going to learn your lesson on promises. I mean, if your conscience is still there, because we do know of these people who have their consciences seared or God gives them over to their depraved consciences because or God gives them over to their depraved consciences for God does give people over to their depraved consciences. In the book of Luke, it, the Bible says concerning Mary, and blesses she who believed that for every word the Lord has spoken to her, there will be a performance of that which has been said unto her. Because the Lord understands the concept of promise. So the word promise 
Therefore, we could actually look at it like covenanting. And the word covenant essentially could mean many, many other synonyms, but the word covenant in this case could mean an agreement. Now, if you look up what the word covenant means or even where it comes from, it talks about coming together. Convenire, that is in Latin, it com- it's, it's talking about coming together. If I make a promise to you, or if you make a promise to me, on whatever issue it is, however minor, however major, we have come together. It's very important for us as believers to not have a depraved conscience. Because if we walk like unbelievers, yet we are professing believers, I think I could confidently say that we are worse than the unbeliever. And therefore, when you do make a promise to someone and you find that they are expecting that promise, you telling them that they are being impatient or they are being unreasonable or whatever other word that you could uh, conveniently come up with for that particular occasion is you just technically being a bad person. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. That's just what it is. And so now you may think, <laughs> so she talked about Ecclesiastes, she talked about Leviticus. Uh, I don't think this kind of thing applies in, in, you know, in the New Testament because I've heard of many, many conversations where people talk about how the Old Testament does not apply in our time since we're in the New Testament, which is a fallacy that has gone beyond my comprehension. There is nothing like that. If we do away with the law, if we do away with the Old Testament, we can never understand the New Testament. Jesus himself said that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So what does Jesus have to say about this? Let's just look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, for example. Jesus says, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. And Jesus goes ahead to say in the same chapter of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 37, he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But I like what goes next. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is an exhortation. It's not a condemnation. If you know the truth, you know that for those who believe, there is therefore now no condemnation. It is an exhortation that we will be careful about what we say, about making promises. So now let's let's be practical. Do we make promises when we're in a relationship with, with somebody? Yes. We make so many promises. I will love you all the days of my life. I will be faithful to only you. I love only you. My life, my future, my plans, I only want to make them with you. And so we make so many plans. And so we do so much. And like we spoke about in the previous podcast about clearing out the, the rug, uh, most, of this, most of these instances we have in our previous relationships, or if we are still learning from our current relationship, we went ahead and plunged into relating with somebody's uh, son and somebody's daughter without seeking from the father of all human creation, who is God, without seeking from God, should we move? And so because you omitted the first and most important move, which is getting the view of God, getting the opinion of God, pretty much getting the green light from God. Now we have gotten into something that could very well not even be God's plan. And here we are making promises. So now the question is, now that you've parted ways with this person, what happens? You made those promises. Now I know there are people who've heard about this, this um, teachings on soul ties and some of you believe in them and 
some of you don't. And I'm not talking about soul ties here. I'm talking about promises. Now, I'm talking about that promise you made to that person. Because if you're in a relationship right now and God has approved of it, you have been making promises to that person. But you also know that probably you were in a relationship with someone in the past and you made similar promises or even more promises to that person. What happens? Repent. Because you covenanted with this person. And sometimes this breaking of the covenant has to be a little bit more than just saying, ah, you know what? I I just, I left that relationship. I'm no longer in that relationship. That may not necessarily do the trick. And this whole series of clearing out the rug is a series of correcting. And sometimes we don't correct in our minds only. We don't stop the process there. So therefore follow the Holy Spirit's guidance. And if you feel led to walk you know, just to get this person to look for this person and make things right, I beseech you to not hesitate because you do not want to get yourself in a confusion of promises that were made and promises that are currently being made. And therefore, in the spiritual world, it looks like there's a bit of a confusion. Who does a promise belong to? Because it looks like there's a there's a double promising happening, if I could call it that way. So and I think I think we're we are understanding this because I'm learning too. I think we are actually seeing and learning from God and having him shed light into our lives about just how important it is. And I think for anybody who might not even be in a relationship right now, moving forward, and I hope this is what this is doing for you, it's helping you to know how to even be more deliberate about every move that you make, every word that you say. So I urge you on this third issue on clearing out the rug, please pray about it. Pray about it. Every issue that is being uh, spoken about here by God, every issue that is having light shed upon it, please pray on it. Pray on it and pray on it like you really want to seek an answer. Issue number four, I'm not even going to spend so much time on this. Gosh, I hope these are not the things where you say you're not going to take too much time on this and then you take all the time in the world. Issue number four is, I call it having the attitude of being multi-committal. I know some of you, once you hear this, you're going to have a lot of defense to put up on this, but just hear me out for a second. I'm talking to the person who hasn't yet committed to one person because they are following a system that kind of looks like this. So you've you've been contemplating settling down because this is how it happens. You contemplate set, settling down and you have, as a guy, you have a couple of girls that you have been eyeing. Now, you want to get into the process of getting to know them so that then you can select, okay? And as a girl, you have the same criteria. So you may be wondering, Lynn, are you trying to tell us that now that is wrong? I don't want to say yes or no. I want to give you the thought process behind this. If you are a deliberate person, a deliberate single Christian person, I'm assuming with this example uh, that you haven't yet settled anyone. Now, if you have if you have chosen that you want to get into a God-fearing relationship with someone that will lead into marriage, then it's expected that you have sought <laughs> to learn from the person you want to fear how he expects marriage to look like. 
And therefore, I'm expecting that the first class you went to is a class of God so that you have read his word, that you have been praying, that you have been meditating on his word, that you understand how he created marriage to be like, what he intends out of it and how he expects you and your partner to glorify him through that marriage. Good. Now that we're there, therefore, that means that while you are learning these points, you are being able, you are eventually in the process Having a clear picture, therefore, of the person that God expects you to be with. That where there was darkness initially, light is being shed. Okay, 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 okay. So now, <laughs> having light shed into this particular aspect, into this perspective, or should I put it, into this person that you want to be with, now that the light has been shed, what do we expect? We expect that there is therefore now no confusion on the kind of person you should be with. So we're no longer wondering whether it's important for me to be with a born again person or not. So we're no longer wondering whether it's important for me to be with a person who is of moral, uh, who is of upright moral character or not. So you're no longer wondering whether you want to be with a person who has value and respect for marriage, the godly way or not. And so many other perspectives as God teaches you. Hmm. Well then, where am I going with this? If you already have the light on the kind of person you should be with, then <laughs> pray thee tell. What therefore is the need for having an assortment of suitors? If you already know what you're looking for, is it not therefore easy for you to spot that? That right there. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. She's the one. He's the one. Do you see where I'm do you see where I'm coming from? Where the thought process is coming from? It's not my thought process. It's a godly thought process. If it were my thought process, heck I would be thinking about having an assortment of suitors to choose from. But we all know what that does to us, don't we? It renders us into a state fusion than we originally were in because this is what happens when you have an assortment of people to select from you tend to select from many who can be good every single human being has an aspect about them that is that is so so good you don't want to let go of and that's how you find yourselves especially this is especially to the ladies you find yourself say gosh i like mike so much but i just i can't let go of derek because damn they're all so good and the reason you're there is because you're you're living in a state of darkness. And essentially, and I'll say this with confidence, is because you haven't gone to the school of God to understand from the author of marriage why he orchestrated marriage, what he intends out of it. And therefore, for you to know what kind of person he expects you to be with. You skipped that class. You jumped right into the world. You skipped that class. You jumped right into your own ways, into your own wisdom, telling yourself what is right. And that's why you're still walking in confusion. I just want to give you a scripture, James 1 verse 8. It talks about a double-minded man who is unstable in all his ways. And there is no better illustration of a double-minded man than a person who is in the attitude or walking in the spirit of multi-commitment. You're committing to girl A, B, C, 3, 4, 5, and whatever. You're committing to boy 1, 2, 3, 4, 
and so on. You're giving them attention. You're picking up their calls. You're going out on dates with them. And in your head, you have convinced yourself with the wisdom of the world that you are doing what is right. And you're actually asking, how will I know who is the right person? How won't you know? The Bible says, where is this? In the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it's a beautiful verse that is so spot on. Because why? <laughs> why are we doing this to ourselves? Why are you being so double-minded? If you don't have wisdom, go to God. He gives so freely and without limit. So the multi-committal perspective is something that you really need to get out under the rug. It is under the rug for very many people. It's under the rug for very many people because very many people think that is what is going to work. Trust me, you're looking at this the wrong way. You're borrowing from the wrong perspective. Whoever is advising you is the wrong advisor. I'm saying all these things with confidence. Whoever is giving you that perspective is giving you a perspective that will keep you trapped for a long, long, long time. So avoid that sin. Avoid that trap. Avoid the trap of committing to multiple people. I can't emphasize enough how detrimental that will be to your emotional health, to your mental state, to even your financial state, especially for the men, and eventually to your future. So let's just continue to get things right. We can we can we can put a pause on that for today. Chew on those two points. What promises have you been making to people? How confident are you when you're making these promises? Is it possible for you to be a little bit more careful on that? Seek the wisdom of God. Number two, are you currently in the trap of multi-commitments? Do not allow yourself to get into the deception of the world that this is how you're going to know who is right, who is no, 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 no. The only way to know the person you're supposed to be with is go to the school of God. Let him teach you what he wants out of marriage. Let him show you through his word. Let him speak to you. And that way you will be able to spot that's the person I want. I'll give you a baking example because that's what is coming into my mind straight away. And I think I won't go wrong on this because this is kind of my hobby. <laughs> it's not kind of, it is my hobby. So now you've been mixing eggs for the longest time with either a fork or a hand mixer. And then you get into one of these recipes where you can alternate baking powder with beating the egg whites so much. You beat them for such a long time until they form into something we call a meringue or in simpler terms, like a white foam. Now, if you realize that that's very tiring and time consuming, what therefore do you need? It's easy. You need an electric mixer. Question is, when you go to the store to buy yourself an electric mixer, would you come home with a blender, a juicer? What else? Would you come home with a microwave? Would you come home with a fridge? Would you come home with, with um, a washing machine so that you can select from all those five items which one is going to help you to beat your eggs or to beat your egg whites until they form a meringue, what would you do? Isn't it... Isn't it obvious that if you go to the to the stores to buy what you need, you're going to directly spot that which you need and buy it? You see, the same way you know what you need to buy should be the same way you know who you need to settle down with. So think about it. Chew on it. Let God help you. Let God guide you. I keep I keep taking you back back to God. Okay, just just go back to God. There's no going wrong there. All right. I wish you well. I always wish you well. I wish you happiness. I wish you stability, and I wish you clarity. God be with you. Till next time.